Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor Program. Randy, today I think we're going to embark on a two-part uh, series about the iceberg model, we call it that, and the iceberg model is about how we help people have deeper levels of conversation uh, with each other, certainly as spouses and also with friends, and uh, there's a number of different aspects to this model and levels of the model, and uh, uh, I'd like to go over all of those in the next two shows. Well, it's a great idea, Mark, and it's a very powerful um, model uh, taken from a friend of yours and Debbie's, who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, but that's Virginia Satir. Virginia Satir was one of the greatest uh, therapists, counselors, uh, writers about systems, family systems of the 20th century. And yes, she died in the late 1980s, but before that, uh, she was uh, all over the world teaching about families and dynamics and relationships and uh, various uh, ways of helping people get more... uh, true to themselves, and uh, also be able to talk more safely with each other. So uh, part of the history of this is that when uh, Debbie and I first entered counseling, the um, woman that we were hooked up with, uh, Maureen Graves, who is uh, still counseling down in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, was a personal disciple of Virginia Satir's, and she started using this model with us although she she didn't really tell us she was using it in, in terms of she didn't outline it she didn't teach it to us she just started using it and uh so we became impressed that maybe we should uh, get to know more about it and uh eventually marine invited us to a training like she does for the satir institute and uh we did get more familiar with it 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 does provide uh, really one of the foundations of the work that we do with couples today, and it is part of our uh, book that we wrote together called The Seven Desires of the Heart. Well, and this particular iceberg model is also featured uh, in all of our intensive three-day workshops. That is right, particularly the couples workshop. We really go over this model uh, in terms of all of its various levels. Well, let's just jump in with both feet, and you can start to tell our listeners what the iceberg model is all about. Well, let me ask you this first of all, Randy. Do you think... uh, this is on our website someplace, or could it be on our website so that people could visualize it? It certainly they, could be put up on our website, sure. So look for that. Uh, under the, resources. Under uh, resources. I will label it the iceberg model. And if you go to faithfulandtrue.com and click on resources uh, later this afternoon, um, it will be there. All right. By way of introduction, uh, if you visualize an iceberg, even if you don't have the uh, drawing right in front of you, uh, most people can visualize an iceberg, and there have been some uh, rather famous pictures of icebergs on the Internet from time to time. We all know that uh, an iceberg, the uh, bulk of it is below the water. Uh, the stuff you see above the water line is really considered only to be about 10% of an iceberg. In fact, you know we all know the story of the Titanic and 
the uh, Titanic, uh, the bridge originally thought they were going to miss the iceberg, but the bottom of the ship hit an outcropping of the iceberg, uh, and we know the results of that. But nevertheless, it's true that uh, 90% of an iceberg is below the waterline. So the image is powerful because uh, it, uh, it points to the fact that oftentimes uh, what we see above the surface of things is, in fact, uh, what's the word we use? Superficial or surfacey. We sometimes use that word. We find that a lot of people get in trouble talking to each other because they're only talking about observable uh, phenomenon, behaviors, and so forth. And people do tend to get locked into arguments about what they can see or what they observe. Um, that's usually some kind of behavior. One of Virginia's uh, most famous sayings was, the problem is never the problem. Um, the problem is deeper inside the soul of people in terms of what they really long for and desire. She also said that the average couple gets uh, locked sometimes for months and years into arguing about behaviors. You know, that's something that you can see and talk about, describe and defend, uh, whereas true healing happens at the deeper level of a person's soul or the deeper level of a person's heart. I think one of our most frequently asked questions around here by individuals and by the couples we work with is, how do we get to deeper levels of intimacy or conversation with each other? And how do we get to talking about um, deeper levels of our soul so that we can have safer conversations? And that's partly what this model is all about. Well, I think human nature uh, is what leads all of us to first identify those above-the-surface issues. And yet, as you've so eloquently described here, it is the uh, all of the below-the-surface uh, characteristics that really hold the key to unlocking you know, what the problem is. So uh, let's just start, and in this first show today, we'll talk about the first several levels of the iceberg and then Next time we'll talk about the rest so that we can get it all in. I think it would take way too long to get through all levels. I know that when we teach this out there in the world, it takes Debbie and I at least an hour or more to kind of describe these various levels. So for those of you visualizing it, looking at it on a page, or you know maybe you're on the website and can see it, um, just imagine that right below the waterline there's a word uh, called coping. And coping basically suggests that all of us somewhere in our life, have learned how to uh, cope with emotions that we don't like having, feelings that we don't like having. In fact, feelings is the next level down. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's say you're sad or angry or anxious or stressed or depressed or uh, frightened, whatever feeling you have that you don't like having, it's uncomfortable. We believe that all of us from childhood on have learned various ways that we cope with those feelings. Some of them were modeled to us by our parents, um, and some of us just learned these uh, coping behaviors on our own. Coping can apply to just about everything. Anything you do to avoid your feelings uh, or mask your feelings or try to elevate your mood out of those feelings. So, for example, you know certain substances that we can ingest uh, do tend to give us a temporary uh, sense of relief from uh, a feeling we don't like having. Alcohol uh, and so forth, some of the other drugs that people ingest. Um, there are behaviors that because of the neurochemistry associated with them, they can also lift us out of those uh, feelings. So many of us learn 
you know, a vast uh, array of both substances and behaviors that we use to manage emotions early on. Um, coffee, for example, uh, is one of mine that, you know, uh, I've used ever since I was in college, <laughs> you know, to, to deal with the stress of uh, academics, I think. Um, nicotine was another one that I, that I was modeled in my home because my father smoked early on. And uh, I just found myself uh, early in my 20s that smoking a pipe gave me a kind of a sense of relief from some stress in my life, which nicotine does have the ability to do. It's kind of an inherent natural relaxant. Uh, takes your kind of stress levels down uh, to smoke nicotine. Uh, those are just two examples. Some of us just space out. We like to uh, avoid stuff, so we watch way too much TV or... Uh, we get way too involved in work. Now, work can be interesting in that it can help us avoid feelings, but also sometimes the adrenaline of uh, work and the stress and the deadlines, that can also be mood elevating. Adrenaline has uh, a major antidepressing effect. Gambling produces adrenaline, so the adrenaline is like that antidepressant that the excitement of gambling lifts us out of whatever we're feeling. There are hundreds and hundreds of... Uh, behaviors and, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of various substances. I have a client right now, for example, that uh, has been talking to me about cough gels, that there was a period in his life when he was addicted to cough gels, uh, something you can evidently buy over the counter, but it has some kind of a perceived buzz to it. Uh, I think that some of it is actually a placebo-like effect in his head, but nevertheless, for him, when he gets an emotion that he doesn't like having, uh, at least historically, one of the things he would do is pop one of these cough gels. So uh, like we you know, usually do, we just encourage the listeners to uh, think about this for themselves. And uh, I think that uh, one of the possibilities the listening audience could do right now is just pause the recording and... Uh, uh, if you're talking to your spouse or you're talking to other people in a group or you're talking to yourself and journaling something, just make a list uh, since you were a kid of some of the substances or behaviors that you've used to cope with a feeling that you do not like having. We'll take that invitation to heart right now and uh, we'll go to break. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. 
If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy, uh, comes to us from our Tuesday Night Men's Counseling Group, uh, as it sometimes does. We are recording this show in mid to late September, and school is back in session and so forth. And uh, one of the triggers that the younger men, the men from uh, college and graduate schools and so forth, uh, around here anyway, they came up with this trigger, which is easy to understand. They simply said co-eds, meaning you know, attractive young women on campus who are dressed in various ways, I guess, but um, a lot of young women, and they're obviously very attractive. And um, we know, of course, the triggers are not always about sexual stimuli, but in this case, uh, that was the one that they came up with. Well, I don't think you have to be a college student to have that trigger uh, apply, Mm -hmm. Uh, like, uh, you know, on a regular basis because we have season tickets for the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, You know, it's very common for us on a Saturday and uh, to be crossing campus on the way to the uh, stadium to see a football game. And you're right because all the kids are out. Uh, You're you're passing by the frat houses and the sorority houses and uh, everybody's in a festive game day mood. And uh, so your, your eye does catch the fact that uh, there are lots of young, attractive, energetic uh, young people out there on the college campuses. Well, you know, on those festive moods on a college game day, there may be a variety of ways people are coping, uh, not to mention substances as well. But our trigger of the week for our purposes and our audience directly coming from the uh, men's group is co-eds. And yes, you're right, Randy. I mean, I think, you know, what is the appeal to some of even watching college or professional football? It's uh, some of the, the shots of, you know, attractive women in it's the, the audience. It's the sideshow. The sideshow that is oftentimes shown. Well, let's bring our listeners back to uh, this two-part series that we're introducing today on the iceberg model. Well, we talked so far in uh, the show about coping, and so we're moving down the iceberg. If you'll visualize the iceberg, you remember we talked about behaviors that show up above the waterline that can be observed. Um, We're talking about the fact that coping behaviors, uh, substances or or, uh, behaviors that we're doing to uh, get rid of or avoid a feeling we don't like having, that's what shows up above the waterline because it does, even if we're drinking, the substance is what we're using to coping, but the drinking behavior can be observed. And that's uh, oftentimes what people get into arguments about. The next level down is feelings. And you know, most of our audience would be familiar with the fact that given that we're a counseling center, we're going to talk here a lot about feelings. And uh, we have people practice that all the time at our groups. We have them check in with how they're feeling. Um, and we have lists of feelings that we oftentimes provide them with uh, in our counseling center. Uh, in our room where we do our groups, we have a, 
a chart that I think you actually came up with and designed um, that has lists of probably 100 feeling words on it. And every night or every afternoon when we do a group here, you have to go around the circle and say what you're feeling that day. Meaning that, you know, people have these feelings inside them all the time, but they do need to practice talking about them or saying them out loud. And the chart comes in handy because it's pretty common practice that a a guy, as he's starting to check in with the group, can't really grasp the exact accurate word that uh, kind of summarizes how he's feeling that day. That's right. And uh, uh, it's amazing to me all the stories about growing up, how we're uh, talked out of our feelings. In other words, we're shamed for having them. Uh, maybe it's in a Christian way. I, I know I talk about this for myself all the time, that if I had a feeling, uh, uh, my dad particularly was going to preach a sermon about why I didn't need to feel that way because God was in control. By the way, everything he said was really true. I believe it today. Um, the, the problem was he wasn't listening and he, didn't, he wasn't encouraging me to have my own feelings. So um, I think However, you got talked out of your feelings. You know, there's a lot of people who have that experience. Uh, feelings weren't being modeled to you. You know, in your family, people weren't talking about it. Whatever the case, most of us, you know, little kids have their feelings. I mean, they're they're pretty blatantly out there when you're, you know, one, two, three years old. And somehow, uh, we just learn and get acculturated that it's not okay to have them. Well, you were saying to me earlier uh, that you had an interesting experience last night with one of the guys that was sitting right next to you. What? Right. Tell the listeners what happened there. Well, you know, I'm old, so I, you know, I sometimes get bugged with the guys that have these uh, sophisticated uh, smartphones, and they're getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and uh, I've learned already that you know a lot of the guys take notes uh, at, in group so they can remind themselves of what we've talked about uh, on their cell phone, but. There are times when guys are looking at their cell phones, you know, uh, manipulating their cell phones. It bugs me. I think they're being disrespectful. So this guy sitting next, so it did create a feeling in me, a feeling of impatience and perhaps some anger. So I did uh, turn to him and said, you know, what are what are you doing on that phone? And so he he showed me the phone, and what he had done is he had taken a photo of the feelings chart on the wall so that he could have it with him at all times. And even uh, throughout any given day, uh, as he was trying to practice his feelings, like even with his wife, um, he could bring up the picture and check the list and see what he was feeling. <laughs> so uh, Hard you know, to be mad at him. It, it is hard to be mad at him because it, yeah. it's like uh, catching the uh, the student that's been doing extra homework, uh, extra credit or something, you yeah, know. Right. Um, one interesting thing about that feelings chart uh, that I noticed before is you will not find the word fine on the list. Yes, fine. Uh, there are certain words that inspire the Southern speak in me. I don't know why it is, but I think I have a voice of my grandmother, uh, who was from the South, who would say, I'm fine. And uh, so fine is not a feeling. Uh, it's usually a word that we use to avoid feelings. You know, if, if you're asking me how I'm feeling and I just say I'm fine, that means I want to move on. It's you know, a transitional word. Yeah, let's, let's talk let's, about let's, something else. Let's get off this subject and move on. Yeah, now let's be honest. If, you know, we see each other in church and uh, you come up to me at coffee hour and say, how are you doing? Uh, probably don't want to get engaged in a conversation about honest and deep feelings. So if I say I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm good. Um, that's okay in that situation. But in accountability groups, if we're trying to have intimacy with friends or with a spouse, we better darn well practice how to get more honest about our feelings. 
Well, in front of that group of guys who have over time gotten to know each other pretty, pretty uh, on a pretty deep level, right. uh, though a word like "find" is not going to be well received by your group. No, it's not going to. It's not going to float. It's not going to fly. Right. Know? So we're going to challenge them to look at the list and see what they're really feeling. Let me just remind the listeners because we're we're building this. The model is descending lower into the depths of a person's soul. So we know we can spend all of our time talking about coping behaviors, which really gets us nowhere. Uh, the next step down into our soul is to be able to talk honestly about we're, uh, what we're feeling. There's also a level on the iceberg model that Virginia Satir talked about where she said feelings create feelings also. So uh, the level there is listed as feelings about feelings. I think uh, the one that's the most familiar to me is that I occasionally struggle with anxiety and uh, oftentimes it is the case that when I'm anxious, I get anxious that I'm anxious. And if I don't talk about that anxiety uh, in intimate relationships, it will build upon itself and snowball. Well, and that would be a very dangerous uh, thing to experience because that can get to be overwhelming. Overwhelming and can lead to panic attacks if it, if it really snowballs. Uh, so, you know, anxiety about anxiety. FDR, we're watching the PBS series about uh, the Roosevelts right now. FDR said in his 1932 inaugural address, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So we sometimes get frightened when we're frightened. Um, we, get, we get sad sometimes, and I think we get angry that we're sad. And we, we get angry at, at someone that we think caused us to be sad um, if some events in life seem unfair we can even be angry with god but we dare not talk about that feeling because that's been labeled somewhere in our life as being pretty sacrilegious uh, it's really a fairly common experience to have a lot of feelings about feelings but we're talked out of our feelings in general. So yeah, a lot of the people when they first come here are just really shut down with this. Well, it's a complicated subject because mm -hmm. I have seen uh, someone who is struggling with anxiety where it manifests itself into physical sickness. That can be the case. Yeah. You know, you just, mm -hmm. you, uh, I think my mom used to <laughs> use the term, you know, worried sick worried sick i'm 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 worried sick over you yeah and that is true that you know there's a lot of times that uh, we use uh, physical metaphors to describe a feeling i'm uptight well that describes muscle tightness what's created by fear and anxiety so um our body will sometimes be the way that we know we're having a feeling mm -hmm. uh and there again we need to practice what the real feeling is and i think one of the the even psychosomatic principles here is that if you don't get good at talking about your feelings, your body will start expressing them for you. So as we look at this iceberg model, and we started by seeing the surfacey issue of behaviors above the water, then just below the water, we hit coping. And from coping, it goes down to feelings. And from feelings are the feelings about feelings. Let's wrap up today's program with one more concept from Virginia Satir's Iceberg Model by having you explain about perceptions. Yeah, this is really in the center of the Iceberg Model, and it's very key um, to the whole system or the whole idea here. And basically, one of the principles here to introduce this is that so oftentimes how we respond to the world and respond to each other is based on our perceptions. Now, perceptions are based on beliefs and ideas, and, and we sometimes say core beliefs about ourselves that we, we hold and we carry. So 
you may be trying to tell me something, Randy. You may even be trying to give me somewhat of an affirmation about something. But if I grew up and one of my core beliefs about myself is I can never do anything right, uh, you can tell me till you're blue in the face that I've done something well, but there's a part of me that just doesn't believe it. My perception is, my core belief is that I, I've never done anything right. Uh, there are four core beliefs that uh, we talk about all the time around here uh, pertaining to sexual addiction. And uh, the first one is I'm a bad and worthless person. I've experienced things in my life that uh, have convinced me of the fact that, you know, I'm just not any good. Uh, the second one is uh, if you knew me, you'd hate me and leave me. Uh, uh, no one loves me as I am. That's number two. Number three, no one takes care of my needs but me. And number four is uh, one of the ways I've learned to cope with all of this in my life is through sexual activity or thought, and therefore sex has become my most important need. Um, a tip-off that people are talking about perceptions sometimes, strangely enough, is when they use the word I feel, and then it's followed by like. I feel like. And they're not going to describe a feeling. They're going to describe a thought or a perception about themselves or about somebody else or about the world. Uh, often, we're missing each other because we're trying to honestly communicate, but the other person has a different set of perceptions than we do. And uh, this, this level is incredibly important to uh, get a hold of, understand, uh, do therapy about, journal about, try to figure out for yourself. And uh, the, the reason it's so important is because perceptions are oftentimes simply not true. Now, in our next show, we're going to get to the to the lowest level of the iceberg, which is about truth. And uh, we'll never get to real truth, God's truth, if we cannot at least accept the fact that some of us have perceptions about ourselves in the world that are just inaccurate. Give our listeners a challenge as we wrap up today's show, and then we will uh, we'll come back with next week's show and finish the iceberg model. Well, here's a thought for the listeners to have conversations with themselves, and I would journal about it or with each other, just talk about it. Think of a story from your childhood or your growing up years, uh, a story of something that happened in your family, a certain uh, activity between your father and you, your mother and you, your family, as it sat around the dinner table, talked about politics or whatever. Tell a story to yourself or to someone about some part of your history where you learned an idea, you learned a belief, you learned some kind of core concept. Uh, maybe you learned something about yourself because you were getting uh, abused all the time directly. Uh, tell a story to somebody about an experience in your life that gave you a perception of the world or yourself. And I think one of the ways to unpack these and to get at what is really true is to start sharing some of this stuff. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. My name is Randy Everett, and I'm your co-host. We'd like to thank Ben Laser, our engineer and technical director. And uh, we hope that today's show has been a benefit to you. And we look forward to joining you again next week on the Men of Valor program. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.